It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with right. today's complete story. Hey, Rich, it's nice to have my teammate back. Yeah, well, glad to be on the team. <laughs> From last week. Uh, you know, there are so many things about I talk about the most important story. I think you got to get right down to it, life. Life is the most important story because life starts and it moves through the space of time until finally you go home to be of the Lord. That's the human experience, isn't it? Absolutely. And we know who is the author of life. Well, isn't that the truth? Now, listen, we didn't last week, we didn't have a chance to hear. uh, Well, I tell you what, we're going to do this other thing first. Because I really do like people. I like old people. I like young people. I like children. And I'll tell you, when I am in church, and I'm coming down the foyer there at church, and somebody has a brand new little baby in their arms, I just can't resist stopping and telling them, how old is the baby? And then remember, that little baby's only on loan, only on loan from God. But the truth is, we just like people. However, I personally think at 85 years old, I like old people a lot. So listen to this. Now some folks are preoccupied with looking young and trim. And I can still remember when I was just like them. But time has shown it's what's inside your heart that really counts and not how many store-bought teeth you have inside your mouth well i just love old people yeah i do i just love old people how about you with silver traces in their hair there's so much wisdom they can share. I know of none that can compare with old people. My joints may not be perfect. My walking may be slow. And it may take me three attempts when I get up to go. But when it comes to serving God, I still have much to give. Like teaching all these younger folks how great it is to live. Well, I just love old people. Yeah, I do. I just love old people. How about you? With silver traces in their hair, there's so much wisdom they can share. I know of none that can compare with old people. So when you're old and turning gray, I hope that you hear someone say, I just love old people. Yeah, you know, folks, that was Jake Hess. Who sings with the Gaither? Is it the Gaither? Is it the Gaither vocal band? I'm not sure. Bill I'm not sure, Bay. but you can hear the joy of the Lord in his voice. That's the point. That's the point. 
and Bot Radio Network is committed to serving the Lord by serving his people from the cradle to the grave. Did you get it, folks? Did you get it, folks? Now, you know, Rich, there are so many wonderful people that call our comment line. Uh, matter of fact, they all are. And I want the people to hear. Uh, let's just consider for the mixture of people that are out there. Uh, I want the people to hear what Bill Taylor had to say. Here it is. I was in prison six years ago when I found your network. And in some of the darkest hours of my life, it was your network that gave me strength by feeding me the word continually. And now I have found your station again, and I will continue to listen to the teachings of the Lord daily. I thank you for helping bring me back to the Lord and open my eyes to his ways. Thank you. Yeah. You've saved my life. Yeah. Hey, Rachel, you see, we didn't know. We didn't know. We don't know. We don't know who's listening, but God knows. That's right. Well, you know, and the gospel is for whosoever will. Oh, and radio truth? reaches everywhere, and people have a chance to tune I, in and hear the Word of God I, wherever I, they are. In this case, he was in prison. Well, yeah, that's right, and, and Christ died for him. Christ died for him, and that's what the Bible message is about. That's right. All right, now listen, I want you to hear one more, folks. This one really, really thrilled me. Uh, uh, Jim Lewis, let's hear what he has to say. Thank you for the opportunity to comment. I enjoy many of your programs. I want to mention, uh, though, today, Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. That has been such a powerful thing in our family. I have a teenage granddaughter who got saved listening to that program. It's just very important in our family, and I want to mention that one in particular, but there are many others that we listen to. We love the Bot Network. Uh, my name is Jim Lewis. I'm in Terre Haute, Indiana. God bless you. Continue on. <laughs> oh, listen. That's from one of our newest listening areas there uh, yeah, in Terre Haute, uh, Indiana. Really? Yes. I tell you what, I don't think the radio listeners can see the smile on my face, but I wish they could. Uh, I'm having a good time, by the way. I love this. I love this. For over 56 years, when Bot Radio Network was first founded, I wanted to do just exactly what we're doing and allow people to hear the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. You know what? And, and now Dr. J. Vernon McGee's messages crisscross the United States and go around the world in many different languages, teaching the Bible verse by verse, book by book, in a five-year plan. Yeah. And you, you, what you do is you, you contact the ministry, and they send you the study notes. They yeah. send you the study notes so that you can follow along and go through the Bible with Dr. McGee. All right, now let's get right into this program, Rich. Okay, we've been talking about old people. And we could talk about parents. We could talk about mothers and fathers. We could talk about about the whole spectrum. But I'll tell you, America right now is having to face what are we doing with the little ones? What are we doing with the little ones? How are we treating the most innocent among us that have done nothing wrong? It's not a case of punishment. Everybody has a perspective. But how about the perspective of the little one? Listen to this. Who will speak up for the little ones? Helpless and half abandoned. They 
knows what happened in New York. Everybody knows what happened in the state of Virginia. For goodness sakes, everybody knows what's happening in California. Everybody knows what America is grappling with right now. In the state of New York, openly, abort the child right up to the moment of birth. And you have the mayor of New York, Mario Cuomo, uh-uh. Andrew Cuomo, Mario Cuomo was his dad. He had been the governor of New York. Now you have Andrew Cuomo. Does that sound like an Italian Catholic to you folks, the name? Well, I tell you what, when they passed that law in New York, I saw him cheering. I saw the people just, just uh, clapping and Man alive, you'd think it was a party. I want our listeners to once again listen to Congressman Henry Hyde from Illinois several years ago, several years ago, and what he said on the floor of the House of Representatives because even at that time, he was fed up with the way the subject of life and then liberty and, of course, the pursuit of happiness was being treated then. I want the people to hear it again. I want the people to turn their radio up and just listen carefully and see what it means to you based on what he's saying in this speech. Here it is. Mr. Speaker, I yield the balance of my time to the gentleman from Illinois, Mr. Hyde, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. The gentleman from Illinois is recognized for 15 minutes. I ask unanimous consent to revise and extend my remarks. Without objection. And I also beg the indulgence of my colleagues not to ask me to yield because I cannot and will not, and I would appreciate the courtesy. I also want to say briefly that those who have charged us with politics, invidious politics, for delaying this ought to understand that Americans can't believe this practice exists. And it has taken months to educate the American people. And it'll take many more months to educate them as to the nature and extent of this horrible practice. That is one reason it has taken so long. Now, the law exists to protect the weak from the strong. That's why we're here. Mr. Speaker, in his classic novel, Crime and Punishment, <clears throat> Dostoevsky has his murderous protagonist, Raskolnikov, say, man can get used to anything, the beast. That we're even debating this issue, that we have to argue about the legality of an abortionist plunging a pair of scissors into the back of the tiny neck of a little child whose trunk arms and legs have already been delivered and then suctioning out his brains only confirms Dostoevsky's harsh truth. <clears throat> we were told in committee by an attending nurse that the little arms and legs stop flailing and suddenly stiffen as the scissors is plunged in. People who say, I feel your pain, aren't referring to that little infant. What kind of people have we become that this procedure is even a matter for debate? Can't we draw the line at torture? and baby torture at that if we can't 
what's become of us. We're all incensed about ethnic cleansing. What about infant cleansing? There's no argument here about when human life begins. The child who's destroyed is unmistakably alive, unmistakably human, and unmistakably brutally destroyed. The justification for abortion has always been the claim that a woman can do with her own body what she will. Well, if you still believe that this four-fifths delivered little baby is a part of the woman's body, then I'm afraid your ignorance is invincible. I finally figured out why supporters of abortion on demand fight this infanticide ban tooth and claw. Because for the first time since Roe v. Wade, the focus is on the baby. Not the mother, not the woman, but the baby. And the harm that abortion inflicts on an unborn child, or in this instance, a four-fifths born child. That child, whom the advocates of abortion on demand have done everything in their power to make us ignore, to dehumanize, is as much a bearer of human rights as any member of this house. To deny those rights is more than a betrayal of a powerless individual. It betrays the central promise of America that there is in this land justice for all. The supporters of abortion on demand have exercised an amazing capacity for self-deception by detaching themselves from any sympathy whatsoever for the unborn child, and in doing so, they separate themselves from the instinct for justice that gave birth to this country. There's no moral, nor for that matter, medical justification for this barbaric assault on a partially born infant. Dr. Pamela Smith, Director of Medical Education in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Chicago's Mount Sinai Hospital, testified to that, as have many other doctors. C. Everett Koop, Dr. C. Everett Koop, the last credible Surgeon General that we had, was interviewed by the American Medical Association. In so doing, he cited several cases in which women were told these procedures were necessary to preserve their health and their ability to have future pregnancies. How would you characterize the claims being made in favor of the medical need for this procedure? Quoting Dr. Koop, question, in your practice as a pediatric surgeon, have you ever treated children with any of the disabilities cited in this debate? Have you operated on children born with organs outside of their bodies? Answer, oh yes, indeed. I've done that many times. The prognosis is good. There are two common ways that children are born with organs outside of their body. One is an omphalocele, where the organs are out but still contained in the sac composed of the tissues of the umbilical cord. I have been repairing these since 1946. The other is when the sac is ruptured. That makes it a little more difficult. I don't know what the national mortality would be, but certainly more than half of those babies survive after surgery. Every once in a while you have other peculiar things such as the chest being wide open and the heart being outside the body. And I have even replaced hearts back in the body and had children grow to adulthood. Question, and live normal lives? Answer, living normal lives. In fact, the first child I ever did with a huge omphalocele, much bigger than her head, went on to develop well and become the head nurse in my intensive care unit many years later. 
The abortionist who is a principal perpetrator of these atrocities, Dr. Martin Haskell, has conceded that at least 80% of the partial birth abortions he performs are entirely elective. 80% are elective. And he admits to over a thousand of these abortions, and that's some years ago. We're told about some extreme cases of malformed babies as though life is only for the privileged, the planned, and the perfect. Dr. James McMahon, the late Dr. James McMahon, listed nine such abortions he performed because the baby had a cleft lip. Many other physicians who care both about the mother and the unborn child have made it clear this is never a medical necessity, but it is a convenience for the abortionist. It's a convenience for those who choose to abort late in pregnancy when it becomes difficult to dismember the unborn child in the womb. If there is one consistent commitment that has su survived the twists and the turns of policy during this administration, it is an unshakable commitment to a legal regime of abortion on demand. Nothing is or will be done to make abortion rare. No legislative or regulatory act will be allowed to impede the most permissive abortion license in the democratic world. In his memoirs, Dwight Eisenhower wrote about the loss of 1.2 million lives in World War II. And he said the loss of lives that might have otherwise been creatively lived scars the mind of the civilized world. Mr. Speaker, our souls have been scarred by one and a half million abortions every year in this country. Our souls have so much scar tissue, there isn't room for any more. And say, what do we mean by human dignity if we subject innocent children to brutal execution when they're almost born? We all hope and pray for death with dignity. Tell me what's dignified about a death caused by having a scissor stabbed into your neck so your brains can be sucked out. We've had long and bitter debates in this house about assault weapons. Those scissors and that suction machine are assault weapons worse than any AK-47. You might miss with an AK-47. The doctor never misses with his assault weapon, I can assure you. It isn't just the babies that are dying for the lethal sin of being unwanted or being handicapped or malformed. We are dying, and not from the darkness, but from the cold, the coldness of self-brutalization that chills our sensibilities, deadens our conscience, and allows us to think of this unspeakable act as an act of compassion. If you vote to uphold this veto, if you vote to maintain the legality of a procedure that is revolting even to the most hardened heart, then please don't ever use the word compassion again. A word about anesthesia. Advocates of partial birth abortions tried to tell us the baby doesn't feel pain. The mother's anesthesia is transmitted to the baby. We took testimony from five of the country's top anesthesiologists, and they said this impossible. That result would take so much anesthesia, it would kill the mother. By upholding this tragic veto, you join the network of complicity in supporting what is essentially a crime against humanity. For that little almost born infant struggling to live is a member of the human family. And partial birth abortion is a lethal assault against the very idea of human rights and destroys, along with a defenseless little baby, the moral foundation of our democracy. Because democracy isn't, after all, a mere process. 
It assigns fundamental rights and values to each human being, the first of which is the inalienable right to life. One of the great errors of modern politics is our foolish attempt to separate our private consciences from our public acts, and it can't be done. At the end of the 20th century is the crowning achievement of our democracy to treat the weak, the powerless, the unwanted as things to be disposed of. If so, we haven't elevated justice. We've disgraced it. This isn't a debate about sectarian religious doctrine nor about policy options. This is a debate about our understanding of human dignity. What does it mean to be human? Our moment in history is marked by a mortal conflict between a culture of death and a culture of life. And today, here and now, we must choose sides. I'm not the least embarrassed to say that I believe one day each of us will be called upon to render an account for what we've done and, maybe more importantly, what we failed to do in our lifetime. And while I believe in a merciful God, I believe in a just God. And I would be terrified at the thought of having to explain at the final judgment why I stood unmoved while Herod's slaughter of the innocents was being reenacted here in my own country. This debate has been about an unspeakable horror. And while the details are graphic and grisly, it has been helpful for all of us to recognize the full brutality of what goes on in America's abortuaries day in and day out, week after week, year after year. We're not talking about abstractions here. We're talking about life and death at their most elemental. And we ought to face the truth of what we oppose or support, stripped of all euphemisms. And the queen of all euphemisms is choice, as though you're choosing vanilla and chocolate instead of a dead baby or a live baby. Now, we've talked so much about the grotesque. Permit me a word about beauty. We all have our own images of the beautiful, the face of a loved one, a dawn, a sunset, the evening star. I believe nothing in this world of wonders is more beautiful than the innocence of a child. Do you know what a child is? She's an opportunity for love, and a handicapped child is an even greater opportunity for love. Mr. Speaker, we risk our souls, we risk our humanity when we trifle with that innocence or demean it or brutalize it. We need more caring and less killing. Let the innocence of the unborn have the last word in this debate. Let their innocence appeal to what President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. Let our votes prove Raskolnikov is wrong. There is something we will never get used to. Make it clear once again, there is justice for all, even for the tiniest, most defenseless in this our land. And I yield back the balance Mr. of my Chairman, time. Will you yield to me? You know, Rich, when you were gone, why we featured a speech by your cousin, my nephew, Jim Patterson, who's a California assemblyman, about the adoption in his family of his three children. And one was little BJ from Vietnam, little Vietnam orphan. And the other one was the, the child from a 16-year-old mother. And believe me, that was an unplanned pregnancy. And yet, and yet she chose life. And then the other one was the mother was 37 years old. I think she was not married. I'm not sure, but I think that was the case. Uh, but then she chose life. 
And Jim then, your cousin, on the floor of the assembly in Sacramento, told about what all that meant. I tell you what, folks, I tell you what, folks, stop and think, stop and think, stop and think. Who are we? What have we become? And for goodness sakes, I'm also talking to church people. I want you to remember what little, little Gianna Jessen said in the context of what we've just heard, because she was a survivor of a saline abortion. And you see, that abortionist probably was embarrassed, didn't get the job done, because she lived. She lived. Here she is to tell about it. Tell us a little of your story. Well, I'm adopted, and my biological mother was 17 and seven months pregnant. And she went in and had a saline abortion. And a saline abortion, I'll just describe real briefly because a lot of people don't know what it is. It's a saline salt solution that's injected into the mother's womb. The baby gulps that solution, it burns the baby inside and out, and she delivers a dead baby within 24 hours. It's exactly what happens. But I came out alive, and I have no burns on my body, and um, I just, I believe it was the hand of God that was on me and protected me and kept me alive. Yeah. We ought to get a hold of Gianna now because she's a middle-aged woman. And find out what's happening. But give the phone number. Probably. The listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you. 1-800-345-2621. Yeah, 345-800-800. That's important. 345-2621. Uh, Ken, do we have time for one more? Uh, number four, the man that lost his eyesight is one of our listeners. I love this. I just want to truly and sincerely thank Bot Radio for what you do for us listeners. I lost my eyesight eight years ago, and since doing so, I have really drawn close to the Lord through Bot Radio and the messages from the ministers and the teaching programs. I love you guys very dearly for what you're doing for our, our people. Continue to keep up the good work, and our prayers are with you. Yeah, my friend, we love you too. Um, this is the Bot Radio Network family, isn't it, Rich? That's right. <laughs> All right. Give us that phone number one more time. 1-800-345-2621. And wasn't it nice to, to read in the transcript the comments of our listeners from the, the speech by Reverend Dar Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. And his sermon. I loved reading the transcripts of the people who appreciated that. They understood it and they thought, wow, I've never heard that before. All right, this is Dick Bott, my son Rich, with his chapter of the Coming Story as a public service. Uh, and we'll see you later. Mm -hmm.